0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Hey, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. Episode 405, geeky show ever coming your way. What's new? Not a whole lot. Well,
0: (laughs) Well, a lot of traveling. Oh yeah, a lot of traveling, yeah. You just
1: got back from a lot of a Yeah. bit of a little bit of a little bit of a And you survived. And, next, and we survived. And next week, we're heading down to Virginia. Everything's and down south, huh? When are you going to come west? We don't have any plans for that because a after Virginia, we a going on a 10 day a
0: are you looking forward yeah. to it? You're out. This is like old hat to you. You're a pro. You're oh yeah. This is our pro 18th cruise.
1: 18th mm-hmm. cruise for our 40th wedding anniversary.
0: Oh, happy! Wedding I got birthday. married
1: very, very young. How very, you? very young? Let's just 12. say it's yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I was just I was a child bride. <laughs> Those are the best kind, right? So. <laughs> Because I was in Florida, I decided not to upgrade my phone to iOS 17. Did Uh you?
0: Not the phone, but I have upgraded all the other things. And actually, in this household, like I am itching to upgrade hardware, because in this household, we are now divided. We have divided houses. We have, out of the four of us, in the household. Uh, only myself and my eldest are able to upgrade to iOS 17. My husband and my youngest are not able to. They're stuck. In fact, the youngest is even further behind. He's still stuck on iOS 15. So it is time. It is time. You know, when, when the kids were little, it didn't matter as much. You know, we would just give them the hand-me-down phone and it could be like really old. But my youngest has been using my, it was at one time, it was my iPhone 6s. So that's, that's what he's been using. We've replaced the battery in it a couple of times. And you know how kids are. And you know, these days, they play a lot of games, they watch a lot of video. And it just really just it eats up the battery. So it's time to move on up and get everybody on the same operating system. Because I've run into it so many times now where, you know, there's, there's new feature sets, on the Apple TV, for example, and there's this, you know, that little badge, that little just, oh, those things like annoy me. I can't stand those little badges. I usually keep them turned off for everything, but on the Apple TV, you can't really help it because it'll just nag you and nag you until you upgrade. Um, and I don't even know what it is it's asking for, but it'll say, you know, these features are not available for this profile because, you know, one or more of their devices is lagging behind, basically. So let's see, everybody is... Um, Yeah, the the watches, that can create a problem, too, like especially with workouts. Um, I'm trying to get the kids to use the Apple Fitness Plus a little bit more. At least my youngest is. He he actually likes Pilates, believe it or not. He actually will use the Pilates workout, and it's kind of funny. I get exhausted just watching him do it. (laughs) But uh, I think he has a Series 3 watch. And uh, speaking on the watches, have you been trying to use the quick actions and things like that, or did you give up on that? Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, I didn't do that. Maybe when I
1: upgrade my watch, whenever that happens to be, maybe it'll be a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, I wonder about that. I've been I've been trying to pay attention. I'm thinking, well, what really is the difference between the double tap feature that they're promoting along with the series nine watch versus what we can already do in the accessibility settings. And the only thing I can think of is that Maybe the graphic, the animation is a little bit different. Now, I haven't upgraded my watch to watch OS 10 yet, so I don't know. We'll see what that looks like. So things are on the horizon. Um, we're really itching to upgrade, but I think I told you I want to wait until November because that's when they're probably going to have one of those sales where they'll, they'll throw in a gift card or something like that. So you know how it is. Every, every little bit counts. Well, that's how I bought my phone last year. Yeah, I end up last year the
1: phone was the 14, but mm-hmm. they didn't have a deal on the 14. They had a deal on the 13, so the right. 13 was cheaper than the 14. And I got back, I forget how much it was, maybe a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So I opted to get an older phone, and
0: I'm totally happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about getting an older phone for my husband, but it, you know, it's like tight. It's like, oh man, I, really, like you have to sit there and look at, it. is it really worth it, and like how much longer. Is it going to be supported? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I use that, uh, that comparison feature a lot on the Apple website, and I look at all the phones next to each other. And I'm like, okay, basically what it'll end up looking like is each person will have one chip in succession. So it'll be the A12, the A13, the A14, the A15, you know, and I'm still torn. I'm still debating on the iPhone 15 Pro versus the iPhone 15 standard. I really want that nicer camera that's what I I, I really want to take more. I want to take better photos. I mean, I take good photos now, but I really want to take better photos. I'm really kind of after that. I will say, though, I'm a little bit skeptical and disappointed. Um, I was attracted to the idea of the titanium metal being used because they said it had better. I mean, of course, this is always marketing and advertising speak, but it was advertised as being able to handle temperatures better. And I thought, well, maybe that would be better for somebody like me in the desert because that has been a real problem for me is my phone overheating. And it always happens at the worst times, like, you know, just a couple months ago I was having car trouble. And the the car I mean, it was so hot here. It was like 113 degrees. And when it's that hot out, it's just everything melts. You melt your 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 patience level melts. Everything just melts. And it's the worst when I'm needing to call and get help with my car. And at that time, I was like, I was was at the, the mechanic and I actually had to use my kids' phones because my phone, my 12 mini had just overheated. It was just like, nope not not doing it. So I was like, well, well, maybe if I got a titanium, maybe I would experience a little bit less of that. But reports lately from different sources are saying that temperature has been an issue. And it could be related to software it could be that just as you upgrade. In fact, I think it, it was something that was pretty egregious enough that they had at Apple had to issue a separate point update for the iPhone 15s you know the rest of them the rest of our phones got a a different a point update so there's something going on and i i want to watch that a little bit closer before i just dive right in because heat is definitely a concern for me
1: well i can let you know about that because we were visiting my cousin when we were in florida oh did he get his pro max he ordered a 15 pro max yeah Uh, it's not due in until october so we went to two different apple stores just to see if and maybe you survived they arrived
0: without well, getting anything. As, well, as
1: we were starting to walk in, you know, Tom is you can't go in there. He can go in there by himself. You can't go in there. I'm like, eh, <laughs> not going to buy anything. You're so right. he's got one about eight miles north and nine miles south. So we went to both of them. Uh, for one of them, he had ordered an air tag and he doesn't like it to be mailed. He likes to pick it up at the store. So we went over to the store to pick it up. And it was Friday, the day that the uh, the phones were released, so while mm-hmm. he was waiting online and, and taking care of his purchase, I was looking at the phones, and I found that the 15 Pro Max is quite heavy.
0: Yeah, it's a big phone. That is There's, a big phone. I, I, it and was, then you it go was, and you add on like a MagSafe charger or a wallet well, it's, or anything it's else. Like, to it. It's like the comparison to me is,
1: and I picked up the Pro Max and then picked up maybe the 15. You can actually feel the difference in your hand, similar to saying, "Well, here's my American Express card and here's my Apple card." Apple card. <laughs> you can feel the difference in your hand.
0: Yep. The and darn that's titanium. how it
1: felt. Yeah, picking it up. But it's uh, supposed titanium. to be lighter. I thought. I thought that uh, the titanium I found was supposed it to be, be lighter. Much heavier.
0: But what about when you held up a 15 Pro and a 15 Standard? You can see the difference. You can feel the difference. Yeah. As, and it, I felt that the Pro heavier. Max,
1: I, I could feel a difference. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's not like, oh, my God, my back is going to hurt if I keep yeah. it in my back pocket. Not yeah, to that extent. but over
0: time, over but time, I that could, repetitive stress is really I think it would be if
1: you're the kind of person that talks on the phone and puts the phone up to your ear, you don't use earphones or you don't use a speaker, I think after a while, your arm is going to start hurting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or a FaceTime call, holding it out and having a FaceTime yeah. call. I, yeah. I just, that was my personal opinion. I found it to
0: be on the heavy side. Yeah, I definitely need to get out to a store and actually hold them because that is that is really a concern of mine because I do hold the phone a lot. That's why I use a pop socket. I know it sounds silly, but I just, I love my darn pop sockets because it helps me balance the load in my hand because I really, you know, I have carpal tunnel. I mean, I suffer with a lot of repetitive stress and chronic pain. So anything I can do to minimize that is what I'm going to do. And so... It might not seem like a lot on paper, but over time, that weight can really add up to a pretty significant issue. So yeah, I mean that's just little things like that. Um, I also saw that like they get scratched a lot easier, and I was watching one of those. I I, I always I get frustrated when they do those. Uh, will it will it uh, will it bend or will it will it blend or the drop tests and things like that, and. I always think of like, wow, what a waste, like what a waste of resources. But sometimes it is kind of important. And I do watch the drop test. Elite. I think the blender ones, I think if, if that's still going on, I don't know. But if it is, I think that's just a total waste of, of time. But why would you do that? That's not practical. But drop tests, I think, are good to watch because you really do get an idea for how they hold up. And so I have been watching. I I watched that one with the pros versus the regulars. And only the Pro Max did really hold up. But the other ones, not so much because you've got glass on the front, glass on the back and, you know, a really, really tall drop. I mean, I don't plan on that happening, of course. And I always put cases on. But it was one of those things where I was like, well, I might consider. They say it's so tough and so strong. I might actually consider going without a case and just using MagSafe accessories. But after oh, watching no, those, no, no, no. Mm-mm.
1: Always the case. Always the case. My cousin yep. ordered a case to go with it, mm-hmm. which I believe is supposed to be coming soon. They're two separate orders. Which case he, did he get? He got the woven
0: I heard he got, bad things.
1: He ordered the that. blue titanium with the blue uh-huh. woven, and I'm reading articles thinking oh, uh-huh. those
0: wovens are not getting good reviews. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. There's a, there's a lot of um, misfires this time around, unfortunately. And you know, we said before, you know, we we're not total Apple fan girls. I mean, we're very critical of Apple, and I think I think that's necessary. Um, and I'm going to call it out when I see it. I mean, I I really do think a lot of it was just repackaged. And I mean, I said before, like I don't need like super you know oh this is earth shattering life changing no i mean i want something to be improved upon but the marketing is a little heavy it's a little like uh oh you're saying this is the best thing ever and it's like it's just a repackaged version of last year's i mean they're talking about the pinks and the blues like the colors oh the colors they're brand new colors um no, they're not. <laughs> they're just they're slightly tweaked from the thirteen version. I mean, the pink is it's not the first pink phone. There's been a pink phone before. It's just not been that shade of pink.
1: And the only reason why color matters is if you have a bare phone. I mean, yeah,
0: exactly. You know, like You're you just can put a case you, on you it. You know, anyway.
1: I've I've got a red phone, but I've got a red case on it. So I the only way the only way you can phone. tell. Yeah, the only way you can tell that I have a red phone without the case is when you look at the, at the, um, the lenses, mm-hmm. you know,
0: then you can see the red behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah but the camera housing is what I'm
0: after. That's why I thought I'd get a blue titanium and put a purple case on. And I think that would look really cool. I don't like the idea of the, the light colors. I mean, that's just, you know. But yeah, that's the only part you're going to see. And you can even get coverage for that. So, I mean, it really, I don't know. The colors are nice, but I don't know too many people anymore that will use a. There and not put i mean there are definitely people out there that are just like nope 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 don't like two of a my case. kids do they do not use a
1: case yeah. and every time
0: i see them with their phones i'm a nervous wreck yeah and, and are they cracked do they oh yeah huh interesting 'Cause I, my, I could imagine if somebody's like really super careful with it and you know, I'm I'm pretty careful, but I mean, you know, there's times when my hands are full and I, I've dropped my phone plenty of times and it happens. Well, thank goodness I've gotten to Tom without otters ca- on it. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness I've gotten Tom an otter
1: case. Uhhuh. He's c- He's constantly dropping it, yeah. constantly dropping his phone. And I just yeah. give him the hairy eyeball. Like, yeah. you're not getting another one, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I <laughs>
0: or have, uh, I have, or members bas- that have basically basically their phones or and- what basically
1: what I say to him is like, if you need another phone, you're getting mine and I'm getting the new phone. Goes, yeah, exactly. How come, I, how come I
0: always get the hand me down? So then I just <laughs> look at him and he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm lucky my husband has never questioned that. He's just happy to have a phone. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. And he's even got to the point where I'm like, I I want him to have a nicer phone. He's like, no, you know, give it to one of the kids. The kids who use it more. I said, sweetie, I mean, your phone. I watched my husband with his phone. He uses his phone a lot as a computer. And, you know, we're going to talk about this topic in a little bit, you know, for having to help care for a family member. I mean, it really it is your pocket computer and it really is what you use for for just about everything. Um, so yeah, so I have not upgraded my iPhone to iOS 17 yet. I was kind of waiting for another couple little like bug fixes to come out. But I think it's going to be time. I just need to f- make the time you know how you do it. I do it. I, I do all the backups and the uh, amazing. Well, that's part of the problem. I haven't mm-hmm. done an amazing backup. Right. I was traveling.
1: So I didn't want to do it before I'm traveling, I'm traveling again next week. Mm-hmm. I think plus I'm I'm uh, uh, changing from Mint Mobile to Spectrum right. Mobile, and right. I just don't want. I'm going to be doing that on Sunday, yeah. and I don't want timing. all this. You know, well, you changed your, you know, your phone provider, and then mm-hmm. you changed your. Oops, sorry. And then your uh, wallet you wallet, yeah. All your cards I just don't want to. And, I don't yeah. want to deal with all that. Right. I am hoping though that this weekend I can upgrade um, the iPad. Mm-hmm. Because then I I think by Friday I should have some time that I can do my iMazing backup and then start the
0: process. So do you not I have I'm your so- iMazing set to just back it up periodically? Because mine's set to back it up over Wi-Fi. I'm on a laptop. Yeah, I, I leave so, my laptop plugged in
1: a lot of the time because oh I my, oh mine's always it's always plugged in but I don't keep hard drives attached to it and I, my uh, amazing backup is not uh, on my computer it's on an external hard drive interesting
0: so yeah that is something I have been struggling with for the longest time I was putting it on an external drive but this time around when I got this new laptop I actually went with the bigger hard drive because I just didn't want to have to to how really, much, for being able to use the, the, the how the much backup. space Oh, I forget. You know it's going to be a couple of gigs, though. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of space that it takes up. Because mine
1: is 512. Mm-hmm. And between my music and See, my I photos... I don't keep a lot of music. Oh, I have a ton yeah. of music. My yeah. photos and
0: my genealogy backup, mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of space left. Yeah, those those are big space piggies, that's for sure. So, yeah, I just don't have those same kinds of things going on. So it's really just my... And my files are all in iCloud. So I I have a 512... Hard drive, and that's probably one of the biggest chunks is is the iPhone backup. But it's just more convenient because in times past when I've had to hang a hard drive off of it just for the purposes of backing it up with iMazing, it's just a hassle for me because I'm constantly traveling with my laptop. I'm constantly unplugging it, exercising the battery, you know, taking it on house calls, and I use it throughout the house. You know, I sit on the couch, I, I try to sit in different places just to so it's not plugged in all the time. But overnight, I always plug it in, like, that's kind of where I dock it, I I connect it to my dock. So then my backups are just recurring over Wi Fi. So it just makes it more streamlined when it comes to that. Oh, the other thing along the lines of backups, I'm glad you mentioned that, because uh, remember, there was that trial for Backblaze. So Mm -hmm. We can dive into this a little bit deeper later, but I did want to mention that I did try the Backblaze trial. And remember I showed you the graph of like, holy crap, it took up a lot of data and I hope I don't go over my data cap. That's a a bit of a gotcha you got to worry about when you do the initial backup. And then I was also like, well, I wanted to try to exclude things and that was kind of clunky. And I think I got it to work like after the fact, but all in all, I decided I'm not going to go with Backblaze. I'm just going to stick with iCloud. I read a couple of comparison reviews and... Based on my needs and the amount of the amount of data that I store, it just seems like iCloud is just the better one to stick with it does It's not costing me you know gobs and gobs more um, even though we do have the two terabyte plan, but that's shared amongst an entire family of five so and actually six because I have another account attached to it for demoing and things like that. So it just, it makes more sense. Plus, I really just didn't like the interface. I didn't like the way that you had to restore files. You know, you had to go and select it and lots of clicking and then there's a zip file. And it just was very not graceful and very clunky to me because I'm kind of spoiled with iCloud. iCloud is just in the Finder. Yeah, the one thing I do find
1: with Backblaze is if you wanted to restore a file, say from September 1st, you know you had it on September 1st you don't need to go back two years. Mm-hmm. It shows a little um, calendar icon that allegedly allows you to say, I want it between September 1st, 2023 and September 15th, 2023. But, but when you hit restore, it's already restoring everything. It mm-hmm. doesn't give you that yeah, option. It's not granular. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's only like my account is only for 30 days. So mm-hmm. I'm not going back a year. So anything that I uploaded to Backblaze in January is gone.
0: Because mm-hmm. hmm. I'm don't. i not paying for that account. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Is there a reason? Like, did you look into iCloud and it just it wasn't for you? Like, why did you choose Backblaze over iCloud? Because, because it's a yourself. backup.
1: Mm-hmm. Where iCloud but, is more sharing, is more... Um, um, why am I losing my storage. words here? No, no, no. Um, oh my gosh, the word is like, at the tip of my tongue, it's not coming out. Where you see it on your iPhone and you see it it's on synchronization. your iPhone. Thank you. Yeah, my, synch- my mind just like closed right off, yeah. synchronizing.
0: Yeah. Um, the thing about Black, Back, yeah, excuse me, Backblaze, what, when I was considering it, what I was hoping it would be was, I was hoping it would be more like either a clone or a time machine that's stored in the cloud. But it didn't end up really being that way because there were a lot of system files that were excluded by just by default. Like they don't actually back those up. And so when I really looked at it, I was like, well, what are you actually backing up? I mean, you're just taking things and keeping them in the cloud as individual files. But if I wanted to restore, like if I had a catastrophic failure and my external time machine, you know, got wet or burned or had smoke damage along with my computer, then I could still get my stuff back from my cloud. I can still just re-download it again. Um, it intelligently saves space because it says, oh, you know, she probably hasn't used this file for like 30 days. Let's just, you know, keep it in the cloud. I can right, but just re-download not, all that stuff.
1: You're not going to get everything. You're not going to get your, you know, um, apps. Yeah, you're not going to get apps that are non-Apple. You're not going to mm-hmm. get, I, 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 you know, um, the folder that I make for Geeky Show Ever when we're putting everything together to make the show. I'm not going to get that on iCloud. I have that in Backblaze. I have that in Time Machine. But why wouldn't you put it in iCloud? Because you it could. Is... Yeah. Plus, I don't have the room. I only have 200 gigs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I have like the two terabytes. so I don't really worry about it as much. Yeah, but it's, it's a huge I pay jump. about the same as what I would pay for Backblaze anyway. So... It's still – those kinds of things still work for me. Like, I still can store the things that I would store, like you do with with Backblaze, in iCloud. And um, what else was I going to say about that? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's synchronized. But I couldn't do, like, a whole full restore with Backblaze because it's still not backing up the system stuff. When it comes to the apps, sure, I'm not – I'm not taking all of my apps and putting them in a folder in iCloud because that's kind of ridiculous because they update all the time. So when it comes to like, if I had to do a restore, if, if, like I said, if I had a catastrophic failure and my super duper clone and my time machine backup, if they were destroyed along with it, there's really nothing stopping me from going in, you know, buying a brand new laptop, connecting it to Wi-Fi, signing into my Apple ID and just Putting everything back on there that I had, sure, I'd have to go and reinstall the apps, but I'd want to do that anyway. I would just do, a, you know, it wouldn't even be, I guess it wouldn't really be, I guess it would be a, a clean install because I would be basically like setting it up. So, yeah, like my system preferences, but I know like I'm constantly documenting that stuff. I take screenshots of everything as I'm, when I make major changes or if I know I'm going to do an upgrade, like we're talking about with iOS 17. So, I started to talk about this with the iMazing backup being local to my hard drive, which has made it easier for me to keep a continuous um, iMazing backup. So that's not the bottleneck for me. The bottleneck for me is what I will do then periodically is I'll take a screenshot of all of my... Um, home screens, and, and actually even that, even that's simplified because I only keep two home screens. I used to keep like a bunch of home screens and folders and all that kind of stuff. I don't even do that anymore. I just kind of let the the operating system do it for me because it already categorizes it in folders in the library anyway. So there's only a certain few folders that I have for like, say, smart home stuff. So I just screenshot all of that. And if there's any major tweaks that I have set up that isn't going to synchronize, like anything that I would have to reconfigure manually, I screenshot that. Um, all of my apps, I would just go, everything's in one password. So I would just go and reinstall the apps that I'm going to use. In fact, I might even run across things. Well, you know what? I don't really actually need that. I, uh, I take screenshots of the list of apps that I have installed. I take screenshots of the launchpad view of all the apps so that I have a visual of everything. And so if I if I had a catastrophic failure, I would just reinstall the apps, the, that kind of software, and I would just redownload everything from iCloud. Now, what I would probably lose then, I guess, would be my iMazing backup. But that's that's all just a secondary backup anyway, because that stuff is in iCloud too. Um, the thing that I do in addition to the iMazing backup is Um, text messages and things like that. Like I like to print off or not print off, but I like to create PDFs of some of those conversations. Like sometimes my mom and I will have this whole discussion about genealogy and I'm like, I'm never going to remember this. So I go back through those conversations and I make PDFs of those so I can remember, you know, which grandparent she was talking about and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, we all have our different methods, but that's that's kind of how I approach it. So I do have backups and I do have clones. Um, occasionally I rotate the drives, you know, I'll store a drive over at a, a family member's house and then go and get that drive and bring it back. So there's rotational backups, but all in all, just using Backblaze just seemed kind of redundant as far as iCloud was concerned. I just felt like I had all the same kind of things in iCloud that I would have stored in Backblaze, so it just kind of seemed redundant which you know you want redundancy when it comes to to backups but um, I didn't like the interface I didn't like how I would have to do the restores when it came yeah. to that it's too bad crash
1: plan didn't work out did you like that better yes crash oh, yeah. plan I liked because oh, you could why. do you could do your miss. online backup and it was very mm-hmm. easy to say I want this file from this state and go in and grab it so it was yeah. great and you could also back up to a local drive.
0: Mm. So yeah, I, I did both.
1: You, I forget how much it was. It
0: wasn't that Yeah, that's that ultimately what I'd be looking for yeah. is a time machine backup that lives in the cloud so that I could do a full restore from, you know, downloading a cloud drive. If I could do a full restore from the cloud or, you know, like Backblaze has something where you can order the drive be mailed to you, that would be ideal. Because then I could do a full restore, including applications, including system configurations, including profiles, including like all of those little tweaky things that you set up. But I just have my doubts about if any of that is actually really backed up in Backblaze. I'm just not really sure about that. I'd have to find out, like, can, you know, can you do a full on restore of all your system configurations with Backblaze or... Is it, are we just talking to files and software here? Like, are we just talking to individual pieces of software? What do you get back when it comes to settings? That's what I would want to know. Let me see here. Settings. Because if, if, it, if it restored that, then, you know, maybe it might be worth, it might be worth saving. Or if I'm going to stick with iCloud, then maybe it might be worth digging in and finding out, is it P lists? Is it, um, you know, what are the components of the system you know, aside from just taking a screenshot of all of my system settings and going through each and one of those each and every one of those pages, what if I just said, okay, you know, every month I'm just going to back up the, you know, I'm going to make a copy of the plist files, and then if I had a catastrophic failure, I would be able to set up a brand new Mac as a as a brand new Mac. Download, re-download everything from my iCloud, reinstall my my app software, which is what I would do anyway because I want the latest version. I don't want to re- I don't want to restore, you know, uh, an app that I hadn't updated in you know two or three versions because I forgot about it. I'd want the most recent thing, but it would be the system settings is is what would be the thing at that which- I would like. Yeah, and it's excluded. I'm looking at the exclusions
1: here. You don't get the library folder, the system mm-hmm. folder, right? the, See, all that stuff um, is excluded the applications
0: anyway. folder you don't get. So you would really have to be starting over. So it really is kind of a, in a, lot of, in a lot of regards, it is a one-to-one comparison when it comes to iCloud. You're still just restoring individual folders and files, and I can do all of that with iCloud right now. And I don't see the, the point in paying extra for it when it is off-site backup. I don't need, like, two off-site backups. You know what I mean? I just but it's, it's
1: also one. good. I'm backing up a bunch of hard drives,
0: mm-hmm. very large hard drives. Right. So, the, the unlimited is good. You are capped at two terabytes with iCloud. Yeah. So that so part's good. So yeah. I've,
1: got a, I've got a ton of backups for photos and music, but especially photos. So I've got mm-hmm. those on different hard drives. And all those hard drives are also up with Backblaze. So these hard drives I'm running, some of these hard drives are 10 years old. Yeah. So And they're still okay, knock wood. But right, but they're on I could time. plug. I could plug them in an hour from now and it just crops yep. out on me. Yep, and I don't have to worry about it because I can get
0: it all back. Right. Whereas I'm trying to take a lot of that stuff that's on those hard drives and just move them into iCloud and just keep a copy of them there. So it's, it's, you know, you can do it. It just takes a little bit more work. So um, I also wanted to talk about along the lines of iOS 17. Uh, one of the things that I noticed that I thought was pretty cool is if you have a second or third generation Apple TV, the Siri remote that comes with that Apple TV can be can have a firmware upgrade applied and it becomes findable. You can actually search for it because I can't tell you how many times... We have a little uh, cover on the remote because that thing is so darn slippery. But we didn't get this time for whatever reason, we didn't get the glow in the dark one, um, which that has helped us in the past, like find the remote in the bed because we have the older Apple TV set up for the bedroom. And so, yeah, there's been a time or two, where's the remote? And we just kind of keep fluffing the sheets and oh, there it is because you can see it because it glows in the dark. Um, But the one in the living room has fallen into the sofa cushions too many times that I that I care to mention and there's been always been this like we got to stop what we're doing we're going to stop the movie because somebody you know let the remote fall down between the seat cushions and didn't follow the rules about it needs to be placed here so it doesn't get eaten alive so that findable feature is going to be really handy but uh, here's what I ran into like I said I upgraded my iPad and I upgraded my TVs and the HomePod I upgraded all of that stuff, but I still didn't upgrade the iPhone because I want to make my my message PDFs and things like that. But I would think that there is a remote app in the control center for iPad, and I thought that I could forego... Upgrading my iPhone for the time being. If I just upgraded my iPad, turns out that's not the case. Uh, for whatever reason, you must upgrade the iPhone. I mean, it says it says it in the the little text when it talks about the upgrade, but it didn't really. I didn't take that to mean that you you had to upgrade your iPhone. Like that was the thing you had to upgrade. But it kind of seems like your Apple ID and so many of your your profile information is stored within your iPhone. And for some reason, it's just not the same on an iPad. So well, we'll see what happens there. But I've tried it multiple times where I've tried rebooting it. I tried unpairing it and repairing it. You're supposed to take the remote control and rest it on top of the Apple TV. So to do that, I had to take my Apple TV out of the wall mount and set it on top of the soundbar. And then I had to take the case off of the remote and set it on top of that and hope to God that nothing like happened in the middle of the night and it didn't fall off. Um, yeah. First world problems, I know. <laughs> but I tried it a couple times, and it still hasn't updated the firmware. So I'm thinking that the last thing I need to do is upgrade my iPhone to iOS 17, and then it will probably work. So I'll report back on that, and that will confirm for me that, yes, you have to do the phone. You can't just do the iPad. Um, the new interface for tvOS, It's uh, the first thing that I notice is now in the top row, there's one more there's one more space for icons. So they made everything a little bit smaller. So it's a little bit more compact. And I can I can say I'm not a big fan of the control center interface. Uh, they They made the power button like ginormous. It's like, here is how you turn off the TV. I, I don't quite understand why they had to make that power button so large. I mean, it's not like you're using a mouse pointer and you're trying to Click on a target that might get away from you. It's no, I mean you're just you're pressing buttons on the remote, and you should be able to to get it turned off. I mean, there's even an off button on the remote, so I'm not quite sure why they went with that design. I think that's very peculiar. Um, Because at the top, when you go to switch your profiles, those icons are way way smaller. They're like really tiny. And I was telling you pre-show like we really need to get a TV. Trying to watch TV for my eyes, my aging eyes on a 40-inch TV at the distance that we're sitting from it is just, I'm not having a very pleasant experience trying to watch TV. So I just don't. (laughs) So I I mean, I, I watch it, but I'm always like asking my husband, what does that say? What does that say? Like, can you read to me what the synopsis is? It's like, oh my God, I'm turning into my parents. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the solution is just to get a bigger TV or maybe enough people will complain about the, the small icons on the interface, because even with the big TV, I think it would still be too small. But that's just me getting off my own lawn.
1: <laughs> I don't have
0: an Apple TV, so I have no opinion on it. You use Roku, right? hmm Yeah. So imagine, imagine the Roku interface. Imagine if they, if they tweaked it with an update and they made everything smaller. I think you'd be ticked off, too. Yeah, the buttons there are plenty big. Yeah, they, they need to, everything needs to be, the text all needs to be bigger. Make it bigger. Uh, let's see, what else is on our list here? Uh, I'll have a, I, I don't know, this is becoming kind of a recurring segment just because of what I'm experiencing in my lifetime right now. Uh, I'll call it Adventures in High Tech Caregiving. Uh, we are now using some, some systems to help manage family health care. Uh, I talked about it in previous episodes, but I wanted to kind of give you an update of what has been working for us in case it might help other listeners who are also going through something similar, whether it's just your spouse or your partner or you know, it could be a pet or a child or just anybody that you are helping to be their patient advocate because maybe they can't advocate for themselves or they just want a little bit of help. I mean, I always wish that I had a patient advocate. I always wish that somebody was with me because I get really flustered. They give you a whole bunch of instructions and you know, I get flustered and I don't get to type it out as much as I'd like to. And I'm always like, you're going to you're gonna write that down for me, right? And even at my last appointment, I still bungled the instructions. She said something about, I thought that she said we were going to increase doses on something. It turns out that, that we weren't. So I had to use the patient portal and message the doctor about it. And I just kind of felt like an idiot. Like, why do I? I had to ask about this like three different times. And it was just frustrating. So I kind of need, I, I need a me. <laughs> I just need a me. I need somebody like me to take care of me. Ah, uh, so it's been frustrating, but, um, uh, I've been working with my family members, and this is kind of what we have come up with as far as a system goes because we all use iPhones, and that's, that's the kicker there. Like, we're all using iPhones or some Apple device. Um, it this, I don't know how well this would work if you had a mixed environment where, you know, half the family was using Android and the other half was using Apple or or Samsung or something else. Um, but you could probably, follow along with this and try to like do it in your own version. Like, you know, we're using the mail app, you might use the Gmail app, uh, we're using, you know, Apple Calendar, you might use, uh, you could probably use, you know, a shared calendar that you subscribe to across different platforms, you know, that that could work. But um, you'd have to find some of these things, like, for example, we use the Reminders app. Now, uh, the Reminders allows you to share lists. So for example, it started out with, you know, we had a shopping list and I like the fact that you can use Siri to tell it to put something on your shopping list. Now, whenever something's happening with this family member, we just made a list for the family member's name and we just say, hey Siri, you know, uh, put reschedule appointment with doctor on the, you know, so-and-so's list. So that's come in really handy because now there's a list with to-do like action items like, okay, this family member is going to take care of this facet and this family member is going to take care of this. And between three or four of us, we're all kind of managing different aspects of this one family member's care. Um, and then there's my, you know, then there's the other side of the family that that we're dealing with. But I have found that it just it keeps everybody on the same page like you know, hey, did you reschedule that appointment? Or did you follow up with the specialist? And did you follow up with the specialist? Um, Between that and using the shared calendar, that has been really a godsend. Um, I wish they would they would make a read only version of the reminders list, because they do that for the calendar, you can create a shared calendar and then when you go to share it, so for example, we shared it with the family member, and um, they they had a stroke, so it's a little more difficult for them to navigate things on the phone um compared to what it was before. And so there's a there's a lack of situational awareness, and so they said, you know, I don't I don't want to put it on my phone because I'm afraid I'm going to delete something. I'm I'm afraid that I'm going to mess it up. And so being able to share it in read-only mode has been really helpful because then they have the confidence that they can view it. They can see what the upcoming appointments are. They can see if a change has been made and they don't have to worry about accidentally changing something on it because it's read-only. So that's been really really helpful. Um, But I wish they would do that with the reminders, because one of the things that I'm using reminders for as like a, you know how sometimes you use a medication and it's like off-label or, you know, you think outside of the box, you use something for like its intended purpose. But in this case, I'm actually using the Reminders app to, and I have a separate list that is all about medications. So I started, um, it's a lot of data entry, but the way that it's been working out is I created this reminders list for this this one family member. They're on a lot of medications because they have a, a critical illness. And what I'll do is I'll put like RX if it's a prescription and OTC if it's over the counter. Then I put the generic name of the medication. And then I put in parentheses the brand name because a lot of times doctors will interchange those names. And sometimes you're like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, that, you know. Um, And then I put, you know, how many milligrams it is, if it's a tablet, a capsule or a liquid, um, what it's what type of class of drug it is, because sometimes they'll say, oh, that N said that you're on or oh, that uh, anticoagulant or something. It's like, what? Oh, okay, you mean this one. So I'm just trying to like stuff it with with anything that could be searchable if they're talking about something because they're not always consistent with their jargon. And then um I put you know what it's what the treatment is like what is this treatment for oh it's you know an anti-diarrheal or you know something like that and then I put who, prescri- who prescribed it when they started taking it because what I have learned over the course of the year is that a lot of these different specialists they don't talk to each other they don't share records and it's infuriating that you have to start all over again each time you start with a new specialist and you have to you have to plug in all of this data um, sometimes they will share. There's sometimes that they will connect with the portal and you're supposed to be able to share your patient portal stuff amongst different doctors, but they don't always participate. So it's it's just kind of a crapshoot when it comes to that. So I have found that just keeping your own records and your own central grand station is what has been really helpful. So now we have this one central medication list that we can look up when, you know, they're no longer taking a medication, we just check it off and it's hidden from the list, or you could show it if if there's history that's needed there. So um, the other nice thing is that you can print out a hard copy. Um, it's not the it's not the prettiest. I mean, you can't really typeset it. You can't you know make certain headings more bolder or darker than others. But it is readable. It is legible. I mean, you can print out the medications list. Now we do have in in the iOS and now iPad OS. That is one thing that's really nice. Um, I don't know how much – do you use the health app at all, Lisa, for yourself or your husband or anybody? Not really, other than what fitness puts into it. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of things you can do in the health app, and one of them is you can manage medications. Um, Unfortunately, at least, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it mentioned, and I haven't seen it in exploring it yet, but I will be looking for it. Um, I wouldn't have to make this reminders list of medications if – In the health app, you could share medications, like you can other health data. So in the health app, you can share your heart rate and, you know, things like that. Um, It's been a bit of crapshoot because, like, for example, one of my parents has AFib and they shared their, their heart health with me and, you know, other, like my kids, you know, they're on medications that can spike their heart rate. So I get these notifications that there was either a high heart rate or a low heart rate, but it's like a whole day or two or days after the fact. And it's not super helpful as an immediate thing. Like, oh, you know, somebody's experienced a high heart rate. I better go check on them. Like, no, it happened yesterday. So I don't know. That's not as helpful as I thought it would be. Um, but it is nice that you can see certain shared aspects of, of the health. I just wish there was more like labs. It would be nice if I got a notification from my parents. You know, like I get a notification when my labs are available. It'd be nice if I got some kind of notification that my parents' lab is available and I could go look into it. I don't know, maybe it would get messy because it kind of gets all jumbled and I mean you should be able to like have a separate page just for that family member and go and look at their stuff. Medications would be super helpful if if you could I know that there's apps that do it, like MetaSafe is one where it's designed that way so that if you're managing because oh my god, prescriptions, just medication management, that is a whole a whole world in and of itself It's just managing all of that stuff is just a whole like job to do. Um, and so they've developed something where you can say, OK, I'm going to set this all up for my my loved one. They take these medications at this dosage and, you know, it tracks how many pills you've taken. It tells you when you, you know, you need to reorder more of that medication I mean it's really super super helpful and you can share it amongst people I just wish that it did that standard within the health app I just think that would be really really helpful so it is what it is um, this is kind of the workaround that I'm developing is creating that reminders list of medications and then sharing it amongst the family members except for the actual patient that's the thing that bothers me is I wish I could just share it with the patient. But it's not read only; it's read and write. And so they they could potentially delete a medication or check it off, or you know how you're scrolling if you accidentally tap it. Right, like yep. that stuff can happen just way too easily. So I wish that there was a read only version. So what I'll have to do is just print out a hard copy, or or send them screenshots or something. So future isn't quite here on that. Um, but I wanted to share that because if anybody else is struggling with uh, you know high tech caregiving. Those are some tools that we've been using. Um, we also use a, sh- a shared note that we call a healthcare journal. So every time one of us goes to an appointment, it's usually me, but um, I have to, you know, report whatever we discuss to the rest of the family members. So I keep a shared note with everybody, and then they can get an update if they choose whenever I add something to that note. And it's kind of just like a, almost like a diary, like a journal entry, and then they can see what transpired during that visit. So that if somebody else has to take that patient to the Doctor, then they'll know what happened at the last visit and they'll kind of we'll all be on the same page. So, between between the four family members, we're using reminders, notes, iCloud folders. That's where I'm storing all the PDFs of referrals and lab reports and things like that. Uh, we're using the calendar. And then we're also, and this is going to lead me into the next topic, I want to talk a little bit about pass keys. I'm starting to learn about that. Um, one of the things that I have found really helpful is. Uh, when we first started this, we would take the patient's information and, you know, set up a demographic, you know, when we set up a new patient portal, for example, we would use our email address because they weren't checking their email address. Well, that got to be messy because, you know, what if we wanted to sign up for a patient portal for ourselves at that same clinic or that same doctor's network, we wouldn't be able to use our own email address because we use it for our family members. So then we decided, well, you know, we're just going to need to be able to, like, they're not reading their email anymore. We're just going to need to check their email because they're still receiving that kind of stuff. They're still receiving financial information that's sensitive. They're still receiving healthcare information that's sensitive, you know, personal things. So what I ended up doing was I made a uh, label in Gmail. It's called a label. We call it a mailbox in mail. Um, And when I configured it, I just created a label called personal. And anytime it they don't get them any anymore, but you know, if they got an email that was personal that didn't have anything to do with what we're managing, I just file it into that, and I make that the default uh, mailbox folder that the person sees when they open up their mail app. They don't have to worry about the inbox that gets flooded with stuff. They don't have to worry about any of the other folders. They just need to be concerned with their personal email. We don't read it. We just say, okay, it's from. They're so and so, so we just move it into that folder. Then they can read it. But all the other stuff, like we have to, we have to keep on top of. They they get one of the biggest things, and this is why passkeys are going to become really crucial. Is uh, let's say we have to log into a patient portal. We're using their email address because we want to keep it separate from ours. A lot of times you have to keep two factor authentication on there. Sometimes it's mandatory. Sometimes you just you would just want to set it up because I mean, this is your this is your identity. This is your real personal stuff, and you want to protect it with a second line of defense here. Uh, and so those authentication codes or those verification codes, a lot of times they get sent to that email address. And then what happens? Well, then you have to go and get the person's phone and then you have to get the verification code. And it just becomes like a real hassle when you have multiple family members that need to access it to get a code for some other account or some other portal. So what I've just did recently that has been working, knock on wood, um, is I set up pass keys. So in Google now, and 1Password supports the storage of these pass keys, instead of having to log in with a password and get a verification code, you can now set up a pass key and what you do in, in Google for example, I haven't delved into too many others, but I'm going to because this is really super cool. Uh, you log in and you go set up a pass key and it'll show a QR code that you then scan with your phone. So for example, you know I set up my husband's phone, my sister-in-law's phone, my phone, so all we have to do now to, to log into this family member's Gmail email account is scan our face ID or use our, our thumbprint on the computer, or it's all biometrics now. And that prevents having to like wait for somebody to give you a verification code that might then expire in the time that you're waiting for it. Or like say you're at the doctor's office and you need to log into the patient portal, but you can't get in because the verification code got sent to somebody else. Well, this way, now we can have those verification codes sent to the patient's email address, which we then have biometric secure pass keys uh, set up. And so now when we need to access that email, we just use our face ID or a thumbprint, and we can log in, retrieve the, the verification code, delete the email, and log into the patient portal or whatever else it was that we needed to access. So that has been like super helpful lately. So I, I wonder, you haven't used anything with passcode yet? Not yet. Haven't encountered it? No, nope, you should try yet. it out. At least try it out with your Gmail account because that's where I've started and um, see what it's like when you store it in your 1Password. That would be a, a good place to start. They make it really easy. It's just a matter of going into the security settings and adding a passkey. I mean, because I mean, how many other ways have we had to use two-factor authentication. There's a bank of codes, there's, um, you know, the phone number, you text an SMS to it, or your recovery contact. And, you know, this is just a, a whole heck of a lot easier. So I, I'm I'm enjoying Passkey so far. I don't quite understand all of the tech around it, and I and I aim to learn about it. But so far, from what I've experienced, it's pretty cool, and it's going to solve a lot of problems for people, especially who end up in our situation where you're helping to care for, you're, you're basically the advocate, you're managing another person's health care, they still have their own identity that you want to secure and protect and preserve. And this might be a helpful way to do that. So I wanted to share about that. Um, all right. That was all I had on my, my list of stuff lately. Uh, well,
1: before you move on, um, one thing I wanted to mention with the High tech caregiving. If you are somebody who doesn't need everything that you're going through, you maybe you just have a couple of prescriptions that you have every month, or you're taking care of your parents. What I did for my father, he had like 14 prescriptions, it was crazy. And some of them were 20, yes, some of them were three month refills, some of them were 30 days. And of course, it wasn't always the same 30 days, I was constantly at Walmart, constantly. You know, hello, it's me, and they would just, oh, hey, how are you yep. doing? You know, how's your mom? You know, how's your how's your dad doing? So what I did is I set up with Walmart, and I'm sure Walgreens would have this, and CVS and other chain pharmacies. They will text you when your refill is ready to be refilled, when your prescription is ready to be refilled, mm-hmm. because there's you know there's times when you open up your cap and you're like, oh, oh my god, mm-hmm. I only have one left. Yeah. You know, will it be ready by tomorrow? Do I have time tomorrow to get to the pharmacy? So when when as far as the insurance company is concerned, when you are ready, when when the insurance company says, Okay, now you can do the refill for prescription A, Walmart would text me, Your father's prescription of such and such is available for refill. And I would just say, Yes, and then they would text me back a couple hours later and say, Okay prescription a is ready to be picked up the cost is and then it would tell me how much the copay was if there was one and i didn't have to bother calling i didn't have to listen to my father telling me when there was still three weeks left on the prescription you got to call it in like no i don't Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) don't worry about it i've got it under control so that's one way if you don't need reminders and notes and sharing if you just you know you're just one of those people that needs a little nudge
0: yeah, the the automation for that is definitely helpful. I do have that set up. Um we have Sam's Club out here and that's where I get a lot of my prescriptions and I just did that this morning. You know, you're getting low on blah blah blah. Do you want to reorder? And I just type yes and then it tells me it'll be ready to be picked up and then I can plan, you know, my shopping trip around that. That is insanely helpful. Um the problems that we've run into has been insurance related. Unfortunately, like you said, they're staggered. And so yeah, we're constantly having to drive to the pharmacy. And it's a it's a different pharmacy than what we use. You know, we're not using the same pharmacy. I wish that we did. But that just is, is a whole other problem in and of itself. So we have signed up for that. And my husband's the one that gets text messages about when things are are ready. And so he's able to do it with, he uses Walmart for that. But what we have found uh, that we're going to be doing next is because... Yes, that's helpful. It's it's really, really helpful when you just have like a handful of prescriptions. But like I said, we have 20 that we're juggling plus our own medications. So it's a lot. It's just it's just a lot of prescriptions. We're, we're practically managing a pharmacy between, you know, five, six different family members. Um, when it gets to be a lot like that, what I would recommend is looking into home delivery. And that's what we're working. We're phasing that in now is now that we know... The, you know, the, there's a lot of there's some stability now, like there's uh, the person's a little bit more stable in their health. We now know that these are the prescriptions that they're going to be on for life. Uh, these are the prescriptions that they're going to be on for the foreseeable future. This is how often they need to take them. Um, so we kind of have a better handle of that. And now we're setting up home delivery. So that'll take out, you know, the sting of, of having to drive all the places. Not all of them can be set up that way, but a, a lot of them can. So I would definitely encourage people to look into home delivery. Um, I don't know if it costs that much more, but I mean, if you could compare the cost, like say it does cost a little bit more, take into consideration how much is your time worth, the time that it takes to drive to the pharmacy, especially if you have to go out of your way than you normally would for your own, you know, shopping and things like that. Consider how much time that's worth to you and the, the cost of fuel. I mean, it, it costs gas money to go and, and, drive, all online, and the drive And waiting online, either through the drive through or right.
1: at the pharmacy counter. I mean, yep. I use CVS and it's like, I could take a shower mm-hmm. by the
0: time yeah. I yeah. get
1: through the drive-thru. A lot but. of it
0: is like, I didn't get the shower today that I wanted to get because I had to go pick up the prescriptions. And, you know, it's like, ugh, you're lucky you're cute. <laughs> No, I mean it's, you know, I am trying not to complain. It does sound like I'm complaining and I'm sorry for that, but it is a lot of work. It is and it's and it's not paid work. It's not compensated in any way except for the fact that you, you know, love your family and you'll do what you need to do to help see that they get the care that they need. And it's 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 unfortunate that things get really tough on people that I mean, I think about like, you know, how did we used to do it? <laughs> I mean, we used to do things more easily because I just don't think there was that much to manage. But now that we are living longer and we have more healthcare demands and there's just more healthcare, people are getting, you know, more better care. But, uh, these things can really cause a drag on that system. You know, sure, the, the patient might be getting better, better, but meanwhile, the caregivers are starting to, to fall ill and be sick because of the stress that it takes in, in caring for that other person. So I'm just trying to balance the load a little bit more, and these are the tools that, that I'm using to do that. And I think, I think everybody should have access to, to tools like this. It really does make your life easier. So while I'm driving on the road to go to all these appointments and pick up prescriptions and things, um, I have been trying to read more audiobooks lately. Uh, would you say, Elisa? How do you do? You read books like actual books, or do you listen to a lot of bo- audiobooks? What do you What do you do yes. more, one or the other? Yes, <laughs> both. <laughs>
1: I do both. Yeah. I use the Libby app to get the books for from my public library onto my Kindle.
0: Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. That's why I want to pick your brain about today. I've been using Libby also. But the thing I don't like about it is that like listening to a podcast or music, I can say, hey, yes, lady, pause or play or resume or skip ahead. I haven't been able to do that with Libby. Is there is there an easier way? I don't use Siri like that. Mm,
1: okay. And plus, I switch it over to my Kindle. Mm-hmm. I don't like reading on my phone because I'm too distracted. I'm see. reading on my Kindle. I'm Reading on right. my Kindle, and that's that. Yeah, yeah. Where, and then I also use the app, never know how it's pronounced. I think it's Scribd, S C R I B D. Mm-hmm. You can do ebooks, you can do audiobooks. I use it exclusively for audiobooks.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. So you like so the Scribd I will, interface for audiobooks? I
1: listen at one point two speed because I can't do anything at one speed.
0: <laughs> of course not.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just I'm just too wound up for that. So I listen you, you know, it doesn't have everything. Chihuahua like, mode. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have everything like Audible would have. Uh-huh. You know, if there's a certain book that you it that say there was a book that was released today, Audible's going to have it. Subscribed, mm-hmm. maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll mess. never get it. Maybe they'll get it a month from now. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the contracts are, how that all works. Uh um, oh. But I, the way my feeling is I pay $85 a year, all you can eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Audible, I'm paying $15 a month to get one credit, and there might be lesser expensive plans. But you get one credit, yes, you can keep that book, but how often do you really mm-hmm. read a book over, over and over again? And right. if you do, I would purchase the book. I would purchase the physical book. Mm-hmm. And that would have to be a a knitting book, a cookbook, uh, a reference book of some kind. Mm-hmm. I don't read fiction more than once. I don't read
0: nonfiction more than once. Yeah, see, I'm using the library to order books. I don't subscribe to any reading services. It's just not a, an expense that I want to take on. But, um, you know, it's, what's nice about the Libby app is it'll let you know When the hold becomes available, you know, you could put in a reservation for a book. True, But the other
1: problem with the Libby app is it gives
0: you 14 days to listen to an audio book. Yeah. I've had some audio books that have taken me a year. I know the one that I'm listening to right now. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get to finish this. I mean, I actually in this case, it doesn't matter because somebody's actually going to be lending me the book when they're done reading it. So then I'll have the hard copy. But then then the problem is like I need something to be able to listen to while I'm driving. That's that's where I'm getting most of my listening in because I do drive a lot, and so that's where I'm listening to podcasts and audiobooks. And see, I don't so I don't have that, time to listen to music. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about Scribed is mm-hmm. uh, is I will
1: uh, Mondays is when I get a lot of podcasts, so, so when the podcast is done, I can listen to the audiobooks when I'm at the gym or when mm-hmm. I'm home. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm um, folding laundry, I'm running the vacuum. I just put in my earpods and you know airpods and off I go and I listen and then another you know, podcast drops I can put that book on hold listen to the podcast go back to the book or a better book comes along well I put that book on hold go to the new book yeah I was reading a book on I think I talked about this before it was it was a book on John Adams and it took me 2 years to get oh, through it
0: wow 2 Because you were multitasking. (laughs) It was just such a dry book. You're like,
1: oh, oh." And then a better book would come along. I'm reading this one now.
0: Yeah. And and then it got to the point
1: where I said, I am finishing this damn book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I have a hard time with attention span, and, you know, it could be ADHD or something like that, where. I have to listen to it over and over again. See, that's why I need Siri, because so many times I'll be listening, I'm like, wait a minute, I think I stopped paying attention about two minutes ago. So I need to replay that part. So I want to be able to say, hey, yes, let me skip back two minutes or rewind two minutes or, you know, sometimes you just want to hear something over. Um, But I really like being able to control it with my voice while my hands are busy doing stuff. So... Well, that's, see, that's another reason why I got to learn how to use the the Apple Watch accessibility. I'm still experimenting with it. Um, I think I, I told you last time the problem is I talk with my hands a lot. And so I'm constantly like I'm flicking my wrist. And no, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> so I'm trying to find that sweet spot of, you know, the the settings where do I want to be clenching? Do I want to be pinching? Do I want to be double pinching and double tapping? And, you know, it's just it's muscle memory. You just have to train your muscle memory. But once I... Oh, Somebody's coming up the driveway. Uh, once I get that under control, then squirrel. <laughs> then I think, uh, I think I'll be able to maybe navigate the book reading apps. Yeah.
1: You might want to listen to my Mac, the last episode, I believe it oh, was, because yeah? that's what Guy was talking about. He went oh, through right. this whole list of different apps that you can use for CarPlay. Mm-hmm. That, will, uh, aud- that you can listen to audiobooks. I cannot
0: wait to get CarPlay someday.
1: Yeah, I don't have CarPlay. I have just the Bluetooth. And I find that when I'm listening to a podcast in the car, overcast, no problem. If I mm-hmm. want to listen to my music, no problem. Scribed, I can't get it to work consistently. Hmm. Sometimes it will, st- it, will, it will connect. And sometimes what will happen is it will play five seconds and then just stop. And mm, I don't know yeah. what the problem is. I don't know if it's my car. I don't know if it's the app.
0: Hmm. Network or something, maybe. Yeah, I That's don't know. What the
1: pro- Well, I have the, the, the book is downloaded to my phone.
0: Oh, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Hmm. So
1: I don't know what the problem is.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Is there any other book reading apps that you use? Like you don't nope. use the Apple Books app, huh? No. Uh, once again, it's on the phone or the iPad. Mm hmm. I'm gonna, I think I should try that. Maybe I can control Apple Books with my voice if I could get the book into Apple Books. That's the only problem. I wish I could get library books into Apple Books. It seems like your only choices are Scribd or Libby or Kindle. Yes. Yeah, so Wouldn't I, that be cool? I, the only time I use Apple Books
1: is when I buy a take control book. Mm-hmm. But it, again, I'm just too distracted. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll see I got an email up, oh, got to read the email, uh, or right, I'll yeah. read something in the book, and it will trigger something in my mind like,
0: oh, that's yes. right,
1: I meant to go to Pinterest and look yep. this up. And then I'll stop and I'll go into Pinterest. Right. When I'm on the Kindle, I am on the Kindle. Yeah. And yeah. I'm reading
0: the book. Yep. That's why those things are still valid. <laughs> even even after the smartphones, because I, I noticed that too, when I'm on my Kindle, I'm like, oh, I, I just focus on this and this alone. But that's also why I like to do – the, there's still the occasion for uh, distractions, even if I'm doing it with just my voice. I mean, if I would be more disciplined, I would put on my, my um, focus mode and just being like, I should just make an audiobook focus mode. And then that way, nothing could get in except for like an emergency phone call or something. And then I could just listen to the audio audiobooks. And then the only thing that I'm interacting with with my voice is the book app. But that's just what I need. I I need there to be more interactivity using Siri, I might have to build some auto some shortcuts or something for audiobooks. So stay tuned, I will let you know what I figure out there. Be my next grand experiment.
1: So, Melissa, if people wanted to contact us and tell us what
0: they use to listen to audiobooks with, how would they do so? I would love that. I would really, really like to hear what you all are using for your audiobooks and if you're controlling them with your with your mind. <laughs> so if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on pretty much a lot of the social networks if you just use at Geekiest Show. That's the handle that we're using. You can find us on Mastodon. Uh we have our website, we have dot com. There's a contact tab that you can click on and that will send us an email. We also have email we, our email addresses, podcast at geekieshow at com. So you can send us an email that way. A few more do we have any any other places left where they can follow us? Yeah, on Mastodon, they can go to at
1: Geekieshoever at techhub.social. If you want to follow Melissa and I individually, you can check the show notes for our links, and Melissa can be found everywhere at themacmommy.com. So we want to thank you so much for listening. We will be back again in a couple of weeks, and until then, please stay safe.